Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Hey, church, this morning, I just want to tell you something. This is not in my notes. This is fresh off the press because this is from my morning Bible study. This morning, uh, 2 Thessalonians, Paul says uh, to the church at Thessalonica, he says, I boast about you to the other churches. And I, I, I stop for a moment, and I just praise God for River Valley. I praise God for a boastworthy church. Like, I'm so proud of you. I love our church. I love what God is doing. I love uh, you as individuals, us as a church. I'm really, really, and truly thankful uh, for what God is doing here, and then I get to be a part of it. So you're doing a good job. Keep it up. Keep it up. All right. So 2 Kings chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. Uh, my mentor told a story years ago. He said he's preaching a funeral. And uh, the, the, the lady who died was in her 80s, uh, was a faithful, faithful saint of Christ her whole life, served him well. What a great uh, way to, to, or what a great funeral to preach, in other words, because this person had really been faithful. He said, he said the music pastor got up in the very first thing, he said, with tears streaming down his cheeks, he said, God has plucked one of our finest flowers from the garden. And, uh, and he sang this horrible, sad song, and it was just on and on, and just all oh, dramatic, and just, you, you, you know, like this was uh, such a horrible thing. And he said, the whole first of the service was just like that. And my mentor got up, and he was like, I had enough of this. So he stood up to preach, and he looked at him, and he said, praise Jesus, my sister has died in faith. She has preceded me into glory. She is at the right hand of God. I will see her again. She is enjoying a rich reward. Praise God. And uh, turn the whole service around. And he talked about dying in faith in Jesus Christ. Afterwards, a man came up to him and uh, he said, you know, when you preach a funeral, you make me want to die. And uh, that's a that's a good way to preach a funeral, right? Amen? And so, and so I want to preach today to make you want to die. I, wanna, I want you to look forward to the day of your death. And we're going to look at Elijah's death today, and we're going to use it as an example of a life well lived and an eternity well begun. A man who is literally swept up into heaven, and, and uh, not a perfect life. We've, we've discussed that quite extensively, actually. But this idea of a life well lived, that we are excited, that we are ready for Jesus to come back and to bring us home, whether that's death or whether that's his second coming, that we're ready for that. So, um, 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah has a, a appointed his successor. His name is Elisha. Uh, they have been doing ministry together for a while, and now is the day of his death. So 2 T uh, Kings 2 uh, verse 1 says, The time had come for the Lord to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord is sending me to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as the Lord lives and as you live, uh, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went uh, down to Bethel. Uh, then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? Yes, he said, I know. Uh, be quiet. Uh, 
Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here. The Lord is sending me to Jericho. Uh, uh, But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho came up, from, uh, came up to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? I did not find that. Stop right there. I didn't find anywhere in the text or, or anywhere in commentaries. Like, no one addressed. Like, I don't know how they knew he was going to die. Like, so I, I have no. So if you have that question, which I do, is like, how did every, Elijah knew, Elisha knew, all the prophets knew. He's like, that dude's going down today. All right. So, and, and I, I don't know how. So. We're going to ask them when, they get, when we get to heaven. So, um, but that's one of the curious things of this text that I just could not find an answer for. Um, so uh, verse 7, um, 50, uh, 50 men from the sons of the prophets came and stood observing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, which parted to the right and to the left. Then the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. So Elisha answered, please let me inherit two shares of your spirit. Elijah replied, you have asked for something very difficult. If you see me being taken from you, you will have it. If not, you won't. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. I, uh, I titled today's message like a great funeral, a great funeral. This is, this is Elijah being carried up in chariots of fire uh, to heaven. And I want us to look first. There's four places Elijah visits here, um, and they all have significance in the kingdom of God, in Israel's history, and in Elijah's history. And so I want us to look at And what Elijah, all Elijah's doing here is, is that you, as you get to the end of your life, you reminisce. You think about your life before. I mean, you, you do that. If you go back, if you drive through your old hometown that you were, grow, that you were raised in, you, you're going to go by your old house uh, and see it. Uh, you know, have you ever visited uh, as an adult? Uh, your your elementary school, it's tiny. I, I mean, you're, you're just like, I remember this place so big. And if your first grade teacher is still there, you look at her and you're like, you're tiny too. Uh, I mean, you, you know, and just, that's all he's doing. He's just going back. He's visiting the past. But, but all of these places are not just geographical places. They have significance. And, and I'm going to give you a, an idea from each one of them. And I, I don't mean to say that this is all that you should have in your, your funeral, like these ideas. These are some of the things. Uh, Elijah was not married, so Elijah didn't have a family. So if you and I were to visit those things, if you have a family, then you would think to yourself, you know, I want generational Christianity. Uh, I want to look at my family's progression and know that that uh, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, my children will catch up to me in heaven. Uh, but we don't see that in this text. But we do see four really interesting ideas uh, that are, that are uh, kind of symbolized in these places. So Elijah first starts out in Gilgal. And Gilgal. Gilgal is beginning. The idea of the Gilgal is the beginning. Uh, the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. The very first place they camped was Gilgal. It was in the promised land. They had arrived. They had a lot more to accomplish. But this is the beginning. You and I can celebrate our beginning because no matter where it was, no matter what happened, no matter who was around, it brought you to this place. 
Your beginning brought you to where you are today. And if even if you're not a believer, praise God that you have been brought to a place that you get to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You get to hear of his love for you and what he has done for you. And so many of us uh, have these wonderful celebration events, I do, of a family who uh, from the very beginning, I have good memories of my childhood. And so I, I can celebrate the beginning. I can celebrate what God did. Now, some of you can't. Some of you have very difficult beginnings. You have family problems. Uh, you have abuse or neglect. You have things in your or one event. You have something in your past that really hurts uh, you truly living in a Gilgal, in a, in a beginning saying, oh, praise Jesus for that. But he brought, he, the Bible says what, what the enemy meant for good, or what the enemy meant for evil, God means for good. God, God can use those things. Best, best story I've heard uh, in recent years. Let me show you a picture of a young boy. Uh, this is when he was, uh, oh, four, uh, somewhere around there, uh, maybe a little bit younger. Uh, 1648, this is Isaac. Isaac was born. Uh, he was uh, born into a tremendously difficult situation. His mother was 19 years old when he was born. Uh, he was a preemie. He was very premature in his birth. Now, that happens today, uh, but we have, you know, NICUs. We can take care of them. Uh, 1648, uh, he wasn't expected to make it, and when he did make it, he he was behind mentally, he was behind socially, he was small for his age, he was very, very sickly and struggled most of his growing up years. Would he really survive? So that's what he was born into, that's who he was. Three months into his birth, uh, his uh, father died father died. So his mother, who was 19, uh, went into bankruptcy. Incredible, incredible poverty in their life. I mean, just very, very, uh, uh, barely making it. At three years of age, the priest from the next town over took a liking to uh, uh, Elijah's, or uh, Elijah, Isaac's mom, uh, and, and really enjoyed her and asked her to marry him. Now, it's interesting, she was in her early 20s, he was 70, yeah, all right, you, you know, so uh, I don't know what to, I don't know where to go with that, uh, and so, um, but here was the condition of his marriage, he said, he said, I want to marry you, I'll take you, basically deliver you out of, out of poverty, uh, but you can't bring your son, what, isn't that horrible, it's horrible, and she decided to go. She left him with some, some extended family members. So they're, they're in the next town over. So Isaac grows up, and as he understands, his mom literally abandoned him. His mom literally chose uh, to leave him. He remained in poverty, but she, you know, some, some semblance of, of money and, and stability. He would go as a young boy. He would sit on the hill overlooking the church where they lived and watching them. He became bitter, rightfully so, angry. Uh, he was, he was a, 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 I mean, just distraught over this situation. All right, here's where the story turns. Don't, all right, trust me on this. He went to school. You can imagine the, uh, the, they said he was a bully. He was angry. Uh, in fact, most of, uh, of his marks, when the teachers would comment on him, uh, they would say, uh, lazy, good for nothing, cannot learn. It was kind of this repeated phrase, lazy, good for nothing, cannot learn. Uh, until a teacher moved into their town, his name was John Houston. John Houston, for some reason, took a liking to young Isaac. And he began to befriend him and began to love him. 
And he began to teach him and began to pray for him. John Houston was a Christian and began to talk to him about Jesus. And over the next several years, began to watch this boy who was completely uh, uh, told that you are lazy, good for nothing, uh, cannot learn. Now all of a sudden, he began to show up. He began to come out. He be his anger began to dissipate. He actually accepted Jesus because his teacher led him to Jesus. And his life began to change. And his teacher noticed something. He was a bright kid. And as he taught him a little bit more, he wasn't bright. He was exceptionally bright. He was a genius. So much so by the, by the time he went and um, uh, was, it was time for him to go to college, he was accepted in the Trinity, Trinity College at Cambridge. John Houston, his teacher, paid for a large percentage of his education. And he went and, and soon, uh, very soon, the whole university was talking about uh, Isaac. And then later on, the whole town was talking about Isaac. And then later on, the whole world was talking about Isaac. And then you and I today still talk about Isaac. Now, I'm going to stop right there for bragging rights. When I heard this illustration, I didn't get it right. And I'm a history guy. So tell each other who you think it is right now. If you win, all right, you are the smartest in your family. All right, so there you go. If you're, all right, let me show you a picture. Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton fell... Here he is watching the app. Who got it right? Raise your hand loud and proud. Oh, you are so smart. Oh, that is awesome. I did not get it. I, 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 I didn't. So let me tell you about Isaac Newton. Let me fill you in the rest of the story. So uh, it wasn't that the, the apple fell out of the tree. and He was like, the apple fell out of the tree like no one had ever noticed that before. All right, that, that's not it. But, but Isaac Newton went on to unify universal laws of gravity. Uh, not, I mean, everyone knew the apple fell, but it was much, much more beyond that. That was just kind of the spark that got him thinking about those things. So uh, he also, uh, in, I don't know if you say invented or discovered calculus. I, I don't know which one of those would be appropriate in advanced math. Uh, also, uh, advanced chemistry, he, uh, he developed. Uh, he wrote the universal laws, the three laws of motion. Uh, he wrote uh, all of these things. He is by far uh, one of the most influential important people in history in what all he discovered. Now, most of us, if you read history, you, you know those things. Here's what's interesting about Isaac Newton. He wrote way more and talked way more and did more with theology. He was a believer all the days of his life. He was enamored with the God of the universe way more than he was with science. And he, he uh, one of his... Uh, quotes that I wrote. He said, gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who set the planets in motion. And that's, that's who he was. Here's this wonderful man, and I want to use it as an illustration. Let me show you. Um, he, is one, he is buried in Westminster Abbey. Uh, part of the inscription under his tomb uh, says an intellect next to the gods. Uh, I mean, that means for, for if you're like me and you were raised in West Texas, that means really, really, really smart. Okay, that's what that means. But here's the idea, and here's where I want you to go with this. Here was a kid who was lazy, good for nothing. Here was a kid who was abandoned, who, I mean, had every, I mean, had every reason in his life to be bitter about the beginning. But when we look at the end of his life, he is, he is buried in one of the most prestigious places in all of England. And we still talk and we still learn about him today. Your beginning is what God used to set you up to bring you maybe to this very point.
Maybe so that you could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe so that you could know there's an eternity waiting for you. Maybe so that you know your life does not have to be directed by what happened to you in your past. That that is not your set destination. That Jesus Christ can radically train, change all of that. Remember, Gilgal is where the people of Israel who started as slaves found their home and became a free people. Gilgal is still there to this day. It's a beginning place. Also, I want to ask you a question along Gilgal as far as a beginning, and that's simply this. Uh, are you someone's beginning in Christianity? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then the, 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 the way that you apply this, this part of the story is, thank you, Jesus, I came to Christianity. How can I be someone else's Gilgal? How can I be someone else's beginning in Christianity. Who are my friends, my family, my co-workers, my neighbors? Those words we say over and over again that I can invest in, bring to Jesus Christ, that I can be someone else's beginning. That's where uh, Elijah and Elisha started this day. Second place they went to is Bethel. Bethel means uh, the house of God. Uh, Abraham, who is the father of Israel, left his homeland, his ancestral homeland, and for the very first time was traveling to the promised land. And he stopped at a place called Bethel, and there he built an altar, he worshiped, and he prayed to God, and he had an encounter and experience with God. Bethel, uh, the idea is prayer. And it's the biggest lesson we learn from the life of Elijah, or Elijah. That prayer is something that radically changes who we are and what we do. Prayer is this, this idea. Let me show you James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. It's so important. Elijah was a human being just like you are. Look at that. Look at that. Elijah was just like you. It doesn't say Elijah was special. Elijah was chosen. Elijah was called. Elijah was, the, it doesn't, Elijah was just like you. And what did he do? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. And then what did he do? He prayed again. The sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. We, uh, the thing that I, I, I saw most in Elijah as I was studying this text and has most challenged me is I want the prayer life of Elijah. I want that type of prayer life. Here's a man who prayed and it wouldn't rain. Here's a man who uh, was living with a lady and her, her son died and he prayed and he was raised from the dead. Here's a man who prayed for the power of God and God responded with fire from heaven. I want that in my life. I don't want to be a good speaker. I don't want to be motivating. I don't want to be, oh, that was nice. I want the power of God in my life. We want the power of God in our church so strongly that we say we will pray and God will move. God will change. God will equip. God will do something brand new in our day. If I were to ask you today, do you pray? Most of us would say yes. So I wrote it another way. Write this down. A robust Prayer life is the birthright of every Christian. I used an adjective there on purpose, robust. Because if I put a prayer life, you'd be like, yeah. No, 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 robust. If I, do you have a robust prayer life? Most of us would probably go, eh. That's what God wants, a robust prayer life. A mountain-moving prayer life. A circumstance-changing prayer life. A world-shaking prayer life where God uses us so profoundly, where our prayers connect with the God of the universe so much that instances change, circumstances move because of our prayer life. That is your birthright. 
That is what God left you in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in the local church according to his word. That's what God left you. It is your birthright. Do not let it be taken away. Do not treat it as something that's just, ah, it's okay. Prayer's okay. No, no. Treat it as a birthright in Jesus Christ. That's what he gave us. Next they go to Jericho. Uh, Jericho is the, is the famous battle of uh, Joshua, where uh, after Gilgal, they went in. Jericho was the biggest battle of, of their generation. It was their D-Day, uh, basically, is what uh, Jericho was. And they, you, you remember, they prayed, they blew horns, they marched around, and God destroyed Jericho. And so Jericho uh, symbolizes for us battle. But it symbolizes God's battle for us, not our battle. This is where we are very, very different. In Christianity, we're very different than uh, self-help. See, self-help, you've got battles. You've got mountains to climb. Get after it. I'm going to help you do it better. I'm going to give you life hacks so that you can do it quicker. I'm going to teach you some tricks and some techniques. They're going to help you earn more money and get more famous and, and have a better body and all of these things. That's not what Christianity is. In fact, Christianity, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31. The horse is prepared for battle, but the victory belongs to God. He is the one. And this is where it circles back to the previous. Uh, in my notes, I have, I have a little arrow pointing back towards prayer. God, I don't want to tell you today, hey, try harder. Do better. Man, you can overcome. You can do these things. No, no, no. Get better at prayer and watch God fight battles for you. Watch God do these amazing things in your life. Uh, years ago, when I was not living for the Lord, um, I, I smarted off to someone at a party one night. I'm, I was really good at that back in the day. Uh, I forgot um, that there was a large group. I was at Texas Tech at the time. I forgot that there was a large group of football players there. And when he stood up out of the chair, he stood up. I mean, he was, I, mean I was like, oh, man, my mouth had just got me in trouble. And, uh, and I realized that. Like, sometimes you try to play it off. You know how, if, if you've ever seen guys fight, what they basically do is they act like they're going to fight for a while, hoping that their friends will stop the fight. And then as soon as their friends stop the fight, they're like, you're lucky. You're lucky. Well, my friends didn't do that. They all just like, oh, this is going to be awesome to watch Cody die. And uh, I knew that. So my mouth had got me into trouble. My mouth was not going to get me out of trouble. Uh, but I had a friend. I had a friend. And, and my friend, uh, in fact, is my best friend from high school. It's his older brother. He was my friend as well. And uh, he was 6'6", six, six, and he was a football player, and he was mean, and he loved to fight. And it didn't matter why. And so, uh, I mean, that was, and, and so I looked over, and I saw him, and I backed up, and that guy was kind of coming after me, and I called Brad, and I said, Brad, Brad, look at this guy. He wants to fight. And Brad was like, really? And he just started fighting him. And I was, and I I was like, oh, that is so good. Uh, I mean, and, and frankly, I won that fight. I won it fair and square. I mean, that guy, he went down. I mean, Brad took him down. Uh, and uh, it's a weird example, but that's how Christianity works. <laughs> that's, how spiritual, that's how spiritual battles work, all right? If you ever get in some sort of teachings, like you're going to go toe-to-toe with the devil, you're going to lose. The Bible says he, he's like a roaring lion. But when we learn to fight our battles by going to Christ and letting him fight for us, very different situation. Very different situation. The last place that goes, the Jordan. 
is the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan uh, is where the people of God cross by. Uh, they kind of make a circle if you, if you look at your map. And, uh, and uh, the Jordan is where the people cross by on dry ground to get into the, the promised land. And, uh, and Elijah actually recreates this miracle. Uh, he puts his mantle in the water. That's his outer cloak. And, and the, the water dry, uh, parts again on dry ground. And so it's this idea. The idea here is faith. Is faith that, that his life is over uh, and he has lived it by faith, but he knows that his life is going to continue basically uh, through Elisha, is this idea of faith in his life. And so he recreates this, this miracle. This is the last place he's ever going to be. I mean, he's, he's now, uh, if the text reads, uh, you know, all the way through, I mean, he's a couple of minutes away from dying at this point. But he has faith. He's lived his life by faith, and so now he's dying by faith. He is dying knowing that God is going to bring him. Now, Elijah, or Elijah experiences a very unique death. Uh, the Bible says Enoch did not die. The Bible says Elijah did not die. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, there will be a whole generation of people that do not die because Jesus will come back and he will bring them with him. And so they won't experience death. And so there are, there are people, there's two in the Old Testament, and then there's a whole generation coming up that will eventually actually not experience death. But for the rest of of us, if we're not in that generation, then we're going to experience death. And I wrote this down. Those with faith, uh, they don't have to fear death. Do not fear death. Now listen, I get dying. All right? I, there's, there's ways to die that, that, that are painful. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we as believers celebrate death. We love death. Because we love that when people die, they go to spend an eternity with Jesus. And that's exactly what we see in Elijah's faith. He lived by faith, and then he died by faith. One of uh, uh, two heroes of this generation for me, uh, Rick Warren as a pastor, Billy Graham as an evangelist. Billy Graham uh, preached over 100 million people live and in person, uh, had over 3 million converts in his ministry. I got to see him twice live, which was uh, an unbelievable experience. Uh, the thing that I always loved about Billy Graham was his, his preaching was so simple. Uh, but the results were so much God. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable to watch, watch uh, God move. Well, uh, one of his daughters told a story one time when, he, when Billy's, uh, Billy and wa his wife Ruth uh, were in their older age. Billy was not traveling anymore, uh, and, and they were both uh, in their last days. Uh, Ruth is a tremendous woman herself. She had a great, wonderful sense of humor uh, and actually was the first to die. Um, and, uh, but th this, this child of theirs went home. And she said, I was talking to mom and dad, uh, Billy and Ruth Graham, about their life. And mom was sick. In fact, mom would die soon after that. But when you ask mom about how she's doing, oh, great, everything's great, just perfect, you know, just, just upbeat and lively. And then she said, when I talked to my dad, Billy Graham, who was not near as sick, in fact, would live another decade after his wife died. He was like, oh, this knee hurts and this. He was griping about this and I had this procedure and this done and this done. He said at one point, Ruth looked over at her husband, Billy Graham. This is Billy Graham. His wife looked at him and goes, oh, Billy, just shut up and die like a Christian. Uh, uh, you know, that's, just shut up and die like a Christian, you, you know? And uh, it's good advice. It was good advice for us to know, hey, hey, we, we aren't afraid of death because here, here's the deal. The Bible says you can know you have eternal life, not hope, think, pray, or wish. You can know 
that you have eternal life. You don't have to fear death because you know that there is a judgment coming and you know what the results of that judgment will be in the righteousness of Christ. That you do not have to fear death in that way. Now a couple of, uh, one observation, I'm going to move on real quick, but one observation of all these is these are places not really as much about Elijah's ministry and life as they are about Israel's. Uh, uh, certainly the Jordan River uh, uh, is, is where God fed Elijah uh, from the ravens. But besides that, he really doesn't have ministry in these places. It's almost like an American going to a museum. And, and this, is, you know, this is where uh, the Declaration of Independence was signed. This is where our freedom uh, was born as a nation. Things like that. That's what he's doing. He's seeing himself not like a, a biography. He's seeing himself like a history book where he plays a, a couple of pages or a chapter, a role in it. But it's a much longer narrative. You and I do good from time to time and not just to think about our own life and how I lived my life. But have I been faithful with the forefathers who came before me in Christianity? Have I been faithful with what God ha has given me now? And have I been faithful to hand it off so that that stream continues all the way through? That's what I see what Elijah is doing here that I think is really profound. God, you handed me some things in the past. And I was faithful. I did my part. Now I'm handing them off to Elisha. And we see Elisha uh, get that mantle. Uh, Elisha asks, he says, I want a, a double portion of your spirit. It's this idea of I want more of who you are, more of the ministry that you have. Get, uh, that you have. I want to be able to do that more. Really interesting in the text. Eight miracles, uh, the, the Bible talks about eight miracles that Elijah does. Elisha is now going to take over the mantle, and Elisha will do 16 miracles that are recorded in uh, this text. So he truly gets a double portion of the ministry that he was left. My favorite miracle that he does, Second uh, Kings chapter 2, verse 23, 24, you should read it. Um, Elisha is my favorite prophet, uh, even though I'm preaching about Elijah right now, because we learn in verse 23 that Elisha is bald. And, uh, and so you're like, well, that's a godly man right there. I'll tell you what. And, uh, and Elisha's walking down. This is my favorite miracle. All right, you don't think the Bible's awesome and funny. All right, I, I still don't understand how you could not think that. Um, these boys come out and they, they taunt Elisha for being bald. And they call him bald. And Elisha prays to God and God sends out of the forest two she-bears and the she-bears maul the boys. That is awesome. I mean, that is, I mean, like, I mean, it's just like, I'm sorry, did you say something about, you know, so I need you as, as a church to know, like, it's got to stop, okay? I mean, you could be in a lot of trouble. If I finally get my prayer life in order, some of you are going down by a she-bear. Uh, I mean, there's, <laughs> I don't care. Make fun of me all you want so but but here here's here's the important idea and that that is a true story by the way uh so uh but here's the important idea of elijah passing on to elisha uh, this uh this way i wrote it the most important contribution you make might not be what you do it might be who you raise the most important contribution in all of christianity you might not really like get a lot of accolades and a lot of praise, but by being a good parent, or more specific to the text, even if you're not a parent, Elijah is not Elisha's dad. He's his mentor. 
he, Elijah poured into a younger person, and, and, and Elijah flourished because of that. So you can have this even if you're single. You can have this even if you have no children. You can have this even if you're fairly young in the faith. There's always someone younger than you that you pour into. And Elijah's ministry continues long after he's gone through Elisha. So the Bible says that a, a chariot comes and Elijah went up into heaven in this whirlwind. I'm going to give you three words of what Elijah ex- experienced, uh, is experiencing right now in heaven. Experienced the moment of his salvation so that it ought to make you and I want to die. First word, the word is eternity. Eternity. We live in time. And I can see time, and I can see time marching on. I can see it on a calendar. I can see it in, in what's happening in the world. I can look at my, I can look at who I am in the mirror, and I can see time affecting me. We live in time. But when you die, you are placed into eternity. And eternity is not a long time. Eternity is no end. It is forever. It is without end. And so when you die in the righteousness of Christ, you will experience an eternity with him. Nothing can turn that back. Nothing can threaten that. When you die without Christ, there is no second chance. He has given you the chances that you will have. It is eternity and it is set. And your position with Christ in heaven is set for all eternity. Or your position without Christ in a place called hell is set We begin eternity in the moment we die. Number two, the second word. I wrote down the word reward. Reward. The Bible talks a lot about the rewards of heaven. All of us are granted access into heaven based on the righteousness of Christ. But rewards are how we live our life. Are things that God gives us. God, God, uh, the Bible talks many times about crowns that he gives us in heaven. There are many crowns that you earn by living your life a certain way. It's really important. In fact, we're going to do a lot of, of this study uh, in, in, the, uh, in the fall of this year. Uh, I think sometimes, if you're, if you're like me, I mean, frankly, a friend of mine asked the other day, how, how are things going? And I was like, great. And I was like, like, really great. Like, my marriage is good. My children are doing well. Our finances are okay. Our health is okay. Your church, this church is doing great. Like, like you, you know, normally you got like, you got like one thing that's a little off kilter. Right now, things just, that's just not my reality right now. I mean, things are going really, really well. Praise God. I've had, I've had it felt where everything felt like it was falling apart before. But that's not my season right now. But the moment I look at this as the normal, the moment I look at this, or the moment that you hear, man, I wish my marriage was going good, or I wish my kids were doing okay, or we're struggling financially, and and he's got plenty of the money, and you think that's the reward, that's the moment that you lose out on the perspective of eternity. That's not our reward. This world is not our home. What we have here is good, and it's from God. If it's, if it's good, the Bible says it's from God. But this is not our reward. 
We go to a reward when we live for Christ that is, uh, the Bible says, cannot be taken from us, cannot be stolen, will not perish, will not break over time, that will be kept for us. In fact, this is why, uh, this is the verse uh, where the, uh, the, it was at first a spiritual song. Slaves in the, in the uh, mid-1860s adopted this as a spiritual, swing low, sweet chariot. That's where this comes from. And is this idea of here are these slaves who are born into the worst situation humanly possible. They they are not treated uh, uh, as people. They are treated as a commodity. And they are bought and sold. And they are ruled by someone else. And many of them are in uh, horrible, desperate situations where families are ripped apart. It's absolutely horrible. And what are they singing? Swing low, sweet chariot. I want to die. I'm not suicidal. Like, I'm going to live my life. I want to die because I want to go to my reward. I want to go and spend an eternity with God in heaven. Whatever you have that is good, praise Jesus for it. And and, and treat it well or treat them well. But those are not your reward. The third word is Jesus. He is our reward. He is what makes heaven great. We can read about the streets of gold. We can read about the crystal sea. We can read about the the fruit trees that bear different types of uh, fruit. But the reality is heaven is Jesus. Jesus is heaven. The wonder of what it is, the magnificence of seeing him face to face are what make heaven heaven. Elijah is in the presence of Jesus in heaven. So today, two words in closing, or two questions in closing based on these words. Number one, will you spend eternity with Jesus? If you can't answer a resounding yes, if you answer I hope, I pray, I wish, if you answer I don't know, listen, the Bible is written so that you may know. You can absolutely have the answer to this question. I know, I know, I know that if death takes me slowly over a lot of years or death takes me instantly, that I know I will spend an eternity with Jesus. It is letting him forgive your sins. It is letting him be the Lord of your life, believing in the cross event where he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried in the tomb for what we had done, and he was raised from the dead. And when we look at him and say, Jesus, give me eternal life. Jesus, be my Lord. You can rest assured. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt what Jesus has done is sufficient to bring you to heaven for all eternity. The second question Are you living a life worthy of rewards? Are you living a life worthy of rewards? It it can be fairly common in our lives to say, yeah, I'm going to heaven, but my life is out of control for Jesus. But Jesus is a thought every once in a while. Not Jesus is the thought that guides every day and every question and every situation. Are you going to spend an eternity with Jesus? And are you living a life of rewards? Let's pray. If you aren't sure about your relationship with Jesus, right now I want to invite you to invite Jesus to come into your life. Invite him to forgive your sins. Declare to him, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were placed in a tomb. I believe that you came alive and I want to express, Jesus, you want, I want you to be my Lord. 
I want to trust you completely with eternity. I want to have a good funeral of a person who marches towards death knowing where they will spend an eternity. You can do that right now. I cannot do that for you. You must reach out to Jesus. Christian, are you living a life worthy of rewards? Not a perfect life. Oh, I make mistakes. Everybody does. We, we, we like spent two whole weeks on Elijah's mistakes. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a day-to-day systematic, I get up to spend my life to the glory of God. Whatever that means. Wherever I am. In good times and bad. In seasons of frustration and seasons of blessing. I live for Jesus Christ. When he, when he says, go, I go. I live for him. Father, thank you today for the rewards that come in righteousness in Christ. Let us have a funeral that is worthy of the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship Jesus. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.